0: Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is Sam Alexander with the news. Our fair city is abuzz as auditions for several network reality TV shows are being held today at the Civic Center. There's still time to show these producers you have what it takes to be the star of such hit shows as Dog Swap, American Idol Warrior, The Long Walk, or, my personal favorite, survivor shawshank you are listening to dairy public radio this is dairy public radio Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham.
1: What's up, constant readers?
0: And today we are covering part one of The Running Man. If you're reading along, we are reading to T-53. So major spoilers ahead if you are not reading along. And Josh is leading the discussion today.
2: Yeah, I am. Now, uh, guys, before we we get to the book, there is one piece of business that I need to take care of, and we need to address as a group. Yeah, what's up? Happy one year anniversary, guys! <gasps> what? Oh my gosh! Hey, yeah, yeah. We this is this book is officially putting us past our one year anniversary as Dairy Public Radio. Are Happy we birthday,
0: everybody! Running past it.
2: Go, oh well, what? And I'm pl- proud to announce CM's out of the podcast. <laughs> 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 we'll no longer have to deal with those jokes. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I'm very excited about this. And uh, and also, before we get to the book, uh, Running Man, we are doing this because of Patreon. Phil Thiessen pledged $50 and he yeah. selected the next book. And that book is The Running Man. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, for those of you not familiar with this, uh, as I am not, obviously, because it's me, this book is... It's very reminiscent of the long walk and it's a kind of a dystopian future it's also a bachman book and it's about a guy ben richards who gives up his life to compete on the running man to make money for his family mm-hmm. is pretty much the short synopsis
1: of mm-hmm. it i'd say right yeah yeah uh two things real quick yeah oh uh, you say you're unfamiliar with the running man i want to you to clarify for our listeners that means You've never seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, <laughs> The Running Man. That correct? is correct. That's lunacy. Okay. Um, the movie episode c- of this series is going to be relevant to this book because, oh boy, are they two different. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, two different beasts here. Really? Oh, yeah. I can. <laughs> you guys I cannot be more excited for the movie episode but gonna, that's,
0: yeah I keep wanting to talk about the movie in this ooh. episode because I've only seen the movie so as I was reading this I was like what?
1: whoa <laughs> yo we will get there I assume
0: uh, Arnie stepped in and was like we're gonna change this <laughs>
1: yeah um, <laughs> s- second it's interesting that you bring up The Long Walk because I kept thinking about The Long Walk a lot too mm-hmm. during this yeah. and as we go through this I would like to pitch Keep this in mind, I think this is a sequel.
0: Damn it, Ben. I was, gonna, <laughs> I was gonna ask if you guys thought that the long walk was the running man's history or future.
1: Oh, definitely the history. Because we in in the long walk, it's you know, we hear that there's this brutal blood sport that's televised heavily every year, and it's like a once-yearly event. But we get to The Running Man, and that seems to be all entertainment.
0: See, I think it's the future, because the as we'll get to, we have The Running Man, and we have all these other televised sort of run by this big network. And The Long Walk is just this sort of state-controlled thing, and I feel like I could see this being taken from the network's and the government kind of swooping in and taking that over and exerting their control over it and making it this one annual event, like Interesting. A, Interesting. reminiscent yeah. of you know a, a different time,
2: huh? Because we established kind of in the long walk that that's like the one entertainment thing that exists. Like, mm-hmm. there's no Super Bowl, there's no yeah anything major. So that uh, yeah, I, actually, I could see yeah, that yeah, being that could way.
1: Very easily uh, be the truth. Um, especially, I've never read this book before, but. Unfortunately, I know how it ends. Yeah. I don't know if either of you. Ooh, no, no, I don't. Oh, no. <laughs> I won't spoil it. Uh, but with certain events, I could kind of see that. Okay, we'll, we'll definitely have to come back to that. So you at think the
0: we'll, we'll have that question maybe answered? Maybe, sort of?
1: maybe
0: it'll be interesting. guess yeah. stick around for part two. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, we'll, let's just get into what we find out about this world early on. We find out that there are uh, what's called free V, which is basically government subsidi- subsidized TVs that are put in people's apartments and they their like any houses and especially in lower income areas. Yeah.
0: And obviously, I've read half the book, so I know this is not a good thing now. But at first, it's like, I wish the government would make me watch Netflix. like <laughs> 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 Just binge watch TV all day for free. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, this, the,
1: okay. So this book is uh, definitely the first that we've covered. It's uh, King's stab at sci fi. Like, this is pure, this is a sci fi. Yes. Heavy novel. in the
2: future in the year 2025.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, this made me roll my eyes super hard because it's kind of a, one for one take on is it 1984? Yeah. Where everyone <laughs> yep. has the TVs in their home that are government sponsored and they have to watch them. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's just that idea. But he gave it a dumber name. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't have to
2: watch it. They're allowed to turn it off.
1: Which is a really funny bit, I yeah. think. Because he's like <laughs> the oh, compos- compulsory
2: benefit bill of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was neat. Uh so we meet we meet Ben, his wife, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not you, Ben. Another oh, Ben. I
1: was going to say, it's been a year.
2: Richards. Ben, ben Richards. <laughs> oh, okay. Ben Richards uh, and his wife, Sheila, and his daughter, Kathy. And Kathy has the flu. She Or, or pneumonia. She might have pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And they're just struggling to make ends meet. That ben doesn't have a job. oh
1: <laughs> God damn it, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a fun
2: episode. <laughs> <laughs> and... We established that Sheila has been basically turning tricks to make money and they're just, there's no hope in this family. They are at their lowest of their low. And Ben is watching a show treadmill for bucks where they only let like heart patients run on this treadmill and answer trivia questions. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when we, we get our first glimpse of what this terrible future has for entertainment. And he decides he's going to go, he's going to compete on one of the, on the show on The Running Man, and he's going to either make a lot of money or he's going to die and get his family money. Because you also get money if you are uh, a widow.
0: It's interesting that he makes this decision, too, because he he does not watch Freebie. He does not watch these games. He's sort of this like dour, I don't know, just this not happy person.
1: Yeah, he uh, is he sucks. <laughs> which, uh, Thank you
0: for saying that. Cause I, I've been, as I was, I actually listened to it. The audible version mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Uh, Dairy public. If you want a free trial, the guy does a really awesome job, but it's sort of like, am I just feeling that way because I'm hearing about him and I'm not, oh, like, would no. it be different if I read it.
1: Oh no. I, I tend <laughs> in this podcast to take a, a pretty hard line on some of our characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, at the start of Pet Cemetery, I was pretty, pretty hard on Lewis. <laughs> yeah. And came around on him eventually. He's a complicated. Ben Richards is not. Ben Richards sucks. <laughs> I. Like Ben Richards, <laughs> says a lot You're about gonna, you, Josh. You are going to have to defend that uh, when we when we get and to uh, Ben Richards is the Stone Cold Steve Austin
2: of <laughs> the Richard Bachman world. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Yeah. But, um yeah. He
0: he is starting to maybe redeem himself. Where we kind of leave off, it'll be interesting to see if he actually does or where that yeah. goes. I've, he has a chance to, but yeah, we'll he's kind of hard to see. To like it first, yeah. Um,
1: Before we move on, I did want to uh, touch on the programming in this world, Uh, the network that seems to be running the show. What do you guys think of the names, some of the programs that we are told about?
2: I have, I have listed some. If you'd like me to go over them, please do. Uh, We have how hot can you take it? Swim the crocodiles, fun guns, dig your own grave, and treadmill for bucks.
0: I like to think that swim the crocodiles is like that sailboat activity where you're trying to get your sailboat to reach the end first. And you're not actually swimming with crocodiles. You just pick your crocodile and you're like, go, buddy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. That's uh, pretty optimistic. <laughs> it really is. Uh-huh. There's all this brutal television, and then there's just this one game of just people staying there picking out crocodiles. Anyway, my point is, those are all dumbass names for TV shows.
0: Is that not normal?
1: Ooh, that's... Uh, now I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs>
0: no, of course
1: not, because that'd be like if they called American Idol Sing Real Good. There
2: was one of those called, like, Sing Off. I don't know. I mean, America's Got Talent. Mm. That's the show. Oh, God, you're right. Well, so Ben decides he's going to compete. God damn it, Ben. (laughs) That that
1: one took me a second. (laughs) I responded too late (laughs) to that for it to make sense.
2: But I'm on cold medicine
1: today, guys. That makes
2: sense. When he gets to the Games Network building... He already establishes that the line to even get in the building is nine blocks back. That is how desperate people are. That's crazy. For this money. They are so many people willing to kill themselves or pro- maybe kill others. I imagine that's what fun guns is.
1: Yeah, Just- I do actually want to know more about fun guns. <laughs> I imagine it's a gun juggling competition. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> That's It's a talent show, but you have to work guns in there somehow? Exactly, yes. Fuck, I want to watch that. When he
2: finally makes it in, he's put through the medical ringer, basically. They ask him tons of questions. They ask him if he does drugs, if he smokes, takes something called San Francisco Push. And something else, uh, what I think is just a red herring entirely, he gets his issued an ID, That he has to carry with him the entire time and the girl who gives it to him cuts the corner off and then is like if this matters you'll know and then it never comes back.
0: I think it does Does because she they're talking and she's not really looking at him because she's you know this is how many hundreds of men she's processed through this thing so far.
1: Yeah, it's uh, very dehumanizing.
0: Yeah, and then at the very end, I don't know, I can't remember if he says something that catches her attention or if she just happens to look up. And I took it as she sees this, like, really tall guy, you know, he describes himself as sort of like a relic or something like people aren't built the way he's built. Now he's really tall, really skinny, really tough looking. I thought that she marked that card so that as he gets further through the process, they would like, she was flagging him for the running man or show. I see
2: now. uh, And so he, he goes and he starts processing and we get the first of the many very racist things in this book. And here we get to it (laughs) where he describes a guard's face. His face was subtle, and Chinese with disappointment.
0: What does that mean? I don't
1: know what that means. When I got to that line, I was reading in a coffee shop with my girlfriend, and I asked her out loud, and her response was, "Why would you say that out loud?" I'm like, <laughs> I
0: didn't write. I agree with her. No context. I agree with her. Better.
1: I'm not the one saying it. This book is. I just don't know
2: what it means. It's and it's so just flippant the way he throws that out there like in that world we would know what that means (laughs) we would just understand what that means maybe that's one of the shows chinese disappointment
1: oh i don't like
2: that no (laughs) 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 so they they bring him in and they start the process and he has to strip down and it's it's basically an assembly line of people either getting passed on to the next round or being cut and sent out right there and at the end he's made it through the assembly line and they give him now they give him a jumpsuit and send him to barracks. So I couldn't
0: help but think of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder
1: Weird. You thought of Star Trek in <laughs> something yeah, very very uncharacteristic. Uh I do like this whole process is super dehumanizing yeah. and they're treated like cattle basically. And when he gets the jumpsuit, there's this line where he says uh, he puts it on and he feels like he lost his face. And I thought that was a really cool bit to make you feel how how uh, little all of these contestants matter to the network. Oh, yeah.
0: And they're not just treating them like cattle. They're treating them with disdain. Mm -hmm. And it's people who are desperate their their lives are difficult a lot of them probably for reasons that are out of their control and they're just trying to do something anything to make a little Mm -hmm. bit of money to help their families and they're treated like i imagine people who were in poverty were treated yeah you know 20 years ago
1: i'm i mean they're still not treated right uh, now but Mm. yeah at, at this point too I was still sympathetic towards Ben Richards because so far, what we know about him is that he is in this terrible situation. His he has a sick kid, and he all he wants is to take care of his family.
0: Maybe don't tell people off when you quit, and then you can get another job. I oh, don't know. Well, just yes. a thought. I have to not we tell a, people we, off every day. I manage. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: we haven't learned <laughs> that about him yet, but yet no, very fair. Um, Look, Ben Richards, the Texas rattlesnake,
2: <laughs> will snap at you, and you just have to deal with that because Ben Richards said so.
0: Oh, my God. Josh, is Ben your Annie?
2: Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. I'm going to have to change my stance on this yeah. real fast.
1: <laughs> Fuck that guy. All right, let's talk about the the mental exam. Yep, and this is where I immediately lost all sympathy towards this guy. How come, Ben? <laughs> He makes it past all the basic eliminations. The hundred people that he's uh, started with has been narrowed down to how many? Like, like 30. 30 or something. And uh, they get through, put through to the psychological test portion. And he gets led into this little booth. It, uh. <laughs> And in this booth is a desk with a test on it. And just uh n- just a naked ass lady.
0: Hi, <laughs> Candy. She's not naked. She's wearing a fishnet shirt with okay. no bra. You know what? Guys show their tits all the time. She's,
1: <laughs> sure?
0: Alright. Uh, we'll go. With yeah, that. This
1: this woman who he immediately oggles and
0: But he doesn't King- do it because he's attracted to her. He's yeah, actually just,
1: like, upset
2: that she's got her tits out.
0: Yeah. But
1: he is immediately like super degrading and purposefully like he doesn't start the test immediately. He just like stares at her tits and like is purposefully a real creepo just to be like, how dare she try to look down on me just because, but it's like this woman is just as much a victim. victim of circumstances you do you think this woman like oh man i love my job of showing my tits to random desperate strangers to mess with them like her job can't be good she's just doing a job right as much as anyone like this but, world but he has and- no way of
2: knowing whether that's like a job mandated outfit Because his thought is that she that's how she gets her kicks. And that's why he's pissed off
1: about it. Which is stupid! He's just a huge misogynist and I fucking hate it. And he
0: swats her on the butt.
1: Yeah. And, uh... uh, It sucks. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Well, he passes the mental exam.
2: And tells her off on his way out. Which means nothing because of what you just said. Like, she's put in this position. So you telling her off doesn't mean anything. And then he gets into, uh... Another, like a psychiatrist that he has to sit down and talk to. And the guy asks him very simply, are you here because you want to die? Very simple question. And he says that that's not the case. They ask him why he's there. And he said his daughter and his pride. What would you guys think of that answer?
0: I think the daughter thing is nice and the pride thing keeps interfering with his life and his family's life. His pride makes his wife get money by sleeping with strange men.
2: That's where pride'll get you. That's
0: where pride gets the people close to you.
2: That's also very true. <laughs> uh so they they pass him through again, and he is in this uh the next set of barracks with even fewer people, and he wants to call his wife because he's obviously not coming home. And he asks a guard for if he'll give him money for the payphone. And the guard originally just calls him a maggot and tells him to shove off. And then he says why he wants to call home. And the guy's just like, look, I'll do this. But if you tell anybody, I will kick the shit out of you.
0: And I was surprised that his pride let him tell that guy why he needed it.
2: That's also true. And it well, but it also made him say, this isn't, you're not giving me money. This is a loan and mm-hmm. I'll pay you back. And it was like, <laughs> if you can't afford this 50 cents uh, But he calls His wife and or He, well, he calls like the hallway mm-hmm. To their apartment And somebody answers says she's not there uh, She's out turning tricks because Her husband's a no good shipless <laughs> Which that's my Favorite slang for someone who doesn't Have a job now but before Just before he's gonna hang up his wife He, he gets to talk to his wife Who says that she turned two tricks today to get good medicine and he tells her to stop that soon enough they're going to have some money
0: why isn't he turning tricks
2: Uh, because I feel like if he looks like the way he's described (laughs) I imagine that that's not great (laughs) (laughs) that's that's just me though I've never I haven't met a lot of gigolos so I don't know what really
0: women are just pickier
2: yeah that makes sense (laughs) we move a step further in this process and he gets to meet Arthur Burns, who's the assistant director of games. So he has, he's made it. He's a fit. He's going to be on a show and they put them all in this auditorium and the guy comes out and he doesn't really, he doesn't care about the people he's talking to, but he just comes out and he says, you're going to all be on shows. You're going to get rooms to stay in. You'll be given your program assignments, meet with your producers. It'll all be great. Uh, here's all your stuff. Find out where you are and, and go. Ben opens his up. Doesn't have a show. He just has a thing that says elevator six. And it's at that moment that he knows he's made it to the running man. Or at least in, in his heart of hearts, he <laughs> knows he's in the running man and it's him and two other people, uh, Janxie and Laughlin. And they're brought up. They go into the room one by one. The Janksy's like a kid Mm -hmm. and leaves with this like beautiful woman on his arm as he exits. Laughlin is a fucking monster. (laughs) Like he's a real asshole. Especially you put Ben and Laughlin side by side, guys. Come on. (laughs) Ben's a way better guy by comparison. Ben
1: could be best friends. (laughs)
2: Laughlin also goes in, comes out. It sounds like a really bad, like, setup joke, like a joke that you'd tell your friends. So this guy walks into the room, walks out with a beautiful lady on his arm. The next guy walks
1: in, he comes out (laughs) with a beautiful lady on his arm. Third guy walks in, he comes out with a frog on his head. He says, what are you doing with a frog on your head? I got
0: nothing. (laughs) I was really looking forward to that.
2: There's no punchline. (laughs) And the frog looks at the guy and says, I don't know, we just met. And then they walk off. Because the frog (laughs) was the contestant. You
0: guys do jokes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not, good. not like this, <laughs> not good ones apparently. Uh, then we we get to another note that I hated making because yeah. he walks in to meet the man in charge and Dan this Killian is
1: where my entire argument will uh, come into play.
2: That he describes Dan Killian just as very black, and I wrote after that
1: I hate that I'm writing this note down. Let me first say. Listeners, I love Stephen King. I truly, truly love. He's very important to me. And that's why I feel that here at Dairy Public Radio, we must hold him to a higher standard. And when he does make a misstep, we have to acknowledge it. This book is racist as fuck. Yeah. And here's why. He goes into Killian's office. Uh, Killian, who I have to tell you right now, Josh, just so you can I can see your face, when you learn this, Killian, who in the movie is played by Family Feud host Richard Dawson. <laughs> what? That's insane. Yup. Uh, he goes into, and he's this uh, very well-dressed uh, black man sitting behind a big desk. And Killian welcomes him in, is very cordial, is very professional, and says, All right, sir, you need to know what you're getting into you're going to be on the running man. Uh you will be killed. We have a 0% survival rate on this show. We've been running it for what is it? 5 years. Maybe
0: something like, something that, that. like yeah. that
1: and no one has ever survived.
0: No no one's ever survived past a couple of days, right?
1: Right. Uh, because what what are the what are the the prize
2: the the rules the of the rules of the Running Man is that you win one hundred new dollars, which is the new the currency and new dollars one hundred new dollars for every hour you remain free. They give you uh forty eight hundred dollars to start, like that's your seed cash, assuming you will at least survive two days. Mm-hmm. You get a twelve hour head start, and if you survive for thirty days. You win the grand prize, which is 1 billion new dollars.
1: And when he says that, they both laugh. Yeah. Like, that's, it's obviously a joke. Like, you will, it will not happen. But he goes through all of this. And at some point, Killian starts to tell Ben, hello, why (laughs) he was chosen for the running man. And it's because, like CM, you've pointed out several times. He's a relic. He's of an older time. He doesn't fit into the this new society.
0: He's like a caveman, not an Egyptian. Yes. And <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> I understood what you said, but I'm not sure how.
0: Um. Oh, is it, isn't Killian the one who was talking about, I collect old relics? and Oh,
1: yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. But he was yeah.
0: comparing him to his caveman collection, not his... Egyptian collection. Correct. Uh, I, I think he was meaning it as some sort of insult.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the reason he – like, one of the examples that he gives is he says, on your psychological test, you gave several racist answers.
0: And um, homophobic, right?
1: Yes. Because the, there was, like, one where he was doing a word association, and he just drops the N-word a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, it sucks. It sucks. But Killian says, oh, well, you gave a bunch of racist tests. And that goes against the government's anti-racist bill or whatever. That one line ruins this entire book for me. Because this is a sci-fi novel. Sci-fi isn't just a story. The whole purpose of the genre of sci-fi is it's an allegory. They're trying, uh, sci-fi has to say something about our current society or something. And the argument this book is making is that Ben Richards is of the old times, meaning today. And this new society, this new society is bad because of uh, all the violence and all of this. But by using this one line, it lumps in that the old times aren't good anymore because of they can't be racist. Does that make any sense? I, I, I,
0: I didn't I didn't get that message.
1: It's it's the standard argument of every shitty alt-right dude of ah, oh, I can't say whatever I want anymore. Oh, all these friggin snowflakes, and they're not wanting me to be racist. And it's, it sucks. It sucks. It's, this whole book is just comes off as this right wing power fantasy of Ben Richards is this like ultimate running man. He's this uh, champion of the old ways. But the only old ways we know about him is that he's still racist. Like, fuck that. Here's okay, I see where you're coming from. The thing that I
2: disagree with is that he's not he's not going into the Running Man to be a champion of anything. He's going in because he's recognized he is a man that the world has moved past. They don't need men like Ben Richards anymore. Like he is virtually a useless person and the only good thing he can do is give up his entire life to hopefully save his child's life and to let his wife whose life he is kind of ruined by his shitty attitude and being a bad person like it's him seeking a bit of redemption for how out of time and out of place he is to make their lives okay because not only will be they be okay with money, but they'll be okay because he's not there anymore.
0: <laughs> wow. Can I make a suggestion that might help like 10%? This is not a sci-fi book. It's an action book. I did not. I love sci-fi. Mm. And I love reading sci-fi. And so far in this book, I mean, I know it's set in the future. I It does not feel sci-fi to me. It feels more like an action drama because you're right that I think it's coming a little bit, but I don't know how much it's going to play in the, the social commentary, the, the bigger picture, which is going to be the pollution. And we'll, ben,
1: we will see. Okay. Uh, Cause it is only the first half of the book.
0: The only reason and... I, I don't quite agree with you is because I never got the impression that Ben cared about anything. Even that, like that doesn't seem to be on his radar or in his mind. He's just, trying to survive this world that has moved on. And I don't feel like he is socially conscious in any way, whether that's, you know, promoting good things or bemoaning things. He can't do that are shitty.
2: It's yeah. Just, I think I get the impression he doesn't care about literally anything.
1: He might not, but the book spends so much time like hammering home the point of, Oh, he's this figure out of time. He's, he's a stand in for, our time mm-hmm. in this future where he doesn't fit in.
2: Do we know when, the, do we, does anybody know offhand when this book was written?
0: So the running man was originally published in 82, but it was written, I think sometime between 1977 and 1982. So late seventies, early eighties.
2: Ah, fair enough. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess, you know, it's a, a, an easy excuse, but it's a different time to write a character where he's trying to anticipate what the future is. But we'll get more into the things about Ben later on as he grows. Uh, so we're going to jump forward a little bit. He he gets he gets a room. He gets room service. There's a lot of stuff there. And finally, the day comes where they're going to put him on TV. So they take him to the studio that uh, he goes into this boardroom and Arthur and Killian are there. And Bobby, who's the host, is there. And he gets a walkthrough a, like, hey, we're going to bring you out. We're going to tell a little bit about you you're gonna need a chance to say something to people we have people who are gonna boo you and maybe throw something at you because it's all theater that's all this is so we're gonna get people hyped and we're gonna get people anxious to see you die yeah and we're gonna give you basically a a camera and a bunch of tapes and you have to mail in two tapes per day so that we can air them on tv
1: which is hilarious oh my
0: god yeah it did you guys immediately think oh they're track they're gonna be tracking him through those tapes and oh yeah well yeah
1: obviously i mean obviously
0: especially when i found
2: out especially when i found out that he can go literally anywhere in the world that he wants Mm -hmm. to go to like the the they talk about evan mccone and the hunters Mm -hmm. and they've never lost somebody well that's there's got to be something helping them out because they can't just do that anywhere in the country. It sucks
0: because it would have been really cool if these hunters were sort of these, like, impossibly talented... Super well-trained. Super naturally good at their job, and they weren't cheating by just tracking them. (laughs) Well, we,
2: we find out that you get... You also get paid an extra $100 for every cop or hunter you kill, and so they encourage you to kill these people. And there are independent cameramen out there that will also be shooting B-roll of you, basically, and an 800 number where any citizen can call in sightings, and they get $100 for a verified sighting, and $1,000 if it leads to your death. So they bring him on stage, finally, to rile up the crowd, and they show fake photos of Ben and his wife. Why? I get, like, the photo they doctor of Ben makes him look angrier but he's literally they can see the real him right there doctoring a photo of him seems weird
0: I think they do it of his wife because they don't want any part of him to be sympathetic to anyone.
1: Yeah, they have to okay. kill any sympathy. They turn him into a caricature yeah. of a poor person. Because
0: they don't even show a picture of his child. Oh, that's true. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. it's this guy is a monster. He's not a human being with a wife and a kid. Yeah, yeah.
1: The, the whole country is, I mean, this is all propaganda yeah. against the lower class. Mm-hmm. It's all um, anyone that lives south of the canal, uh, so to speak is not human. Right. Who cares?
2: So he, everybody's getting riled up. Ben just doesn't give a shit. And he is taunting the crowd. He's throwing up middle fingers, slamming Bud Light cans together. And and (laughs) he gives Bobby a stone cold stunner. (laughs) They, they drag him off. And as they drag him off stage, Killian is standing just off stage and Killian's just like, look, I like you. So I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Like, I think you are going to be the best contestant we've ever had. You're going to be a lot of fun to watch be hunted down and killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my advice is stay close to your own kind and use your legs instead of weapons. And Killian takes him to the elevator. And my favorite line in the very beginning of this is they're standing at the elevator. Ben looks at it and goes, if I were to take this up. Who could I kill <laughs> it's a good question
1: I yeah. want to know the answer to that and hopefully we'll find out yeah because uh, they're in the the games tower the the network's central
0: is that like um, 99 floors or something it's 100 yeah, it's floors tall yeah
1: okay. uh this giant building in the center of the city and they are only on the 16th floor yeah. I think and he says like the whole time he's been through this process it started on the first floor, and as he progressed, he's slowly going up the building, and it gives you this sense of of climbing, of upward mobility. But he gets to the 16th floor and he says, I could tell this is as high as I was meant
0: to oh, go. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Bring an upward mobility into it. We yep. are deep on Derry Public <laughs> Radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I love uh, it. it. And yeah, they kick him out.
2: And- yeah. He finds his way under the streets. He gets in a cab and the cab driver immediately recognizes him and asks him if he'll sign proof that he was in the cab so he can make a hundred bucks. And so Ben realizes immediately, okay, this might be a little harder than I thought it was going to be. So he, question. Yeah.
0: Would you guys have signed it?
2: No. Fuck I, that guy. I wouldn't have went on fucking the running man in the first place. <laughs> Dumb as hell. Uh, yeah. Ben's on fun guns. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously.
0: (laughs) And (laughs) I'm racing crocodiles, so I guess it doesn't matter.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He finds his way to a guy named Molly, who runs uh, a pawn shop and a CD business out of the back. This guy can get you anything. And now Ben has $4,800 that he can use to get started. His $4,800 and his 12-hour head start. So he goes to Molly... And he gets what I think is the smartest thing. I didn't even think about it. Mm -hmm. He gets uh, fake IDs. Like he gets traveling papers. He gets everything to prove that he's someone else entirely, which I thought was brilliant. Mm -hmm. He tells him, uh, Molly tells him that like he needs to take these papers and get out of Dodge because there's going to be people around his family about any place familiar around him. There's no safe place here.
0: Doesn't he tell him that his home, his uh, apartment complex is already surrounded. Yeah, they've already. He was going to go home.
2: Yeah, like an idiot. <laughs> so he's got his new D, his new ID. I'm going to do that one more time. <laughs>
0: Nudie, like freebie.
2: This is Nudie Freebie. That's a different channel in the freebie.
0: Nudie Freebie. Oh yeah. my god.
2: He's got his new ID as John Springer, and he's got this disguise. He gets to the airport. He makes his way to New York City and checks into a hotel after wandering around because it doesn't want to seem too obvious like who goes and checks in a hotel at nine in the morning and he makes his first tape which is just ten minutes of him sleeping he (laughs) covers everything on the walls so that it's as nondescript as possible sleeps
1: with a bag on his head because he colored his hair
2: yeah he dyed his hair so ooh
0: foreshadowing
2: (laughs) Is
0: it? I mean, if he dies, it's like he's got a bag. I've oh, a
2: bag over set I
0: <laughs> foreshadowing. I assume. We, I just like it, a,
1: Is it foreshadowing if you're guessing the thing? It's foreshadowing.
0: Well, foreshadowing. You don't always know if it's. I mean, it's. Yeah, foreshadowing. but you also
1: don't usually call it out before you know that it's foreshadowing.
0: Ooh,
2: foreshadowing. <laughs> you're a foreshadow. <laughs> uh, he makes another tape of just him reading the Ten Commandments over and over. Mm, foreshadowing.
1: <laughs>
0: Are you saying he's going to find God?
1: I'm saying that he eventually dresses up like a priest.
2: (gasps) Oh, that's true. Oh! Whoa! Nailed it. Anyway. So he, and that's the moment where he sends the, he mails the clips, and that's when he's like, he realizes, they could easily track these and know I'm in New York. Like, that's gotta be a thing. But if he doesn't send in two a day, he forfeits the money. They'll still Mm. chase him until he dies, Mm. but that's where his money stops. Which is insane. It is Awful. With that, knowing that he has mailed in his location and that they could probably track down Molly and get all that information about his new identity and everything, he decides it's time to move on already. It's been one day, but it's time to just keep moving. So he heads to Boston. And when he goes to get on the bus, he's been, he's nervous. He's sitting at this bus stop and he hears a cop yell, it's like, stop that man. And he locks up. And he's like, I can't believe I'm going to be taken down this early. This is awful. Turns out it's not him that the man's yelling at. There was a purse snatcher. But the fact that Ben thinks if it had been me, I would have I would have turned and shot that man right now. Mm-hmm.
0: This is a point that I wondered based on what Killian had said to him after he came off stage. Do you think that? hunters had encountered him or they kind of knew where he was but to make a better show and to build things up they weren't getting him right away or do you think he really was like off the grid I mean at this point it hasn't been 12 hours yet has it I think it it? has okay
2: it's just I think it's like just now past his 12 hours so he makes his way to to the Boston YMCA where he meets the next racist man uh, who's Yelling at people. We'll give a
0: kid a dime. We'll give the kid a
2: dime for a gumball machine, whatever. So he finds a room in the YMCA, makes another video of him showing his ass and humming the theme (laughs) to the running man. And he's very
1: proud of it. Yeah. He's like, oh, I never knew I could be creative. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking great. He really discovered art. Yeah.
2: Um, and he's, so he's in his room, and he's staring out the window to pass the time, counting cars. And as he spent so much time staring out of this window, he starts to notice there are certain people who are loitering who have not been moved along. Like, there's, there's cops that if people stand still too long, they'll tell them to move on. There are homeless people who have the same stride that have been circling the block, it looks like. And it's at that moment that he just knows they've got me there. These are, these are hunters, which also made me think how many goddamn hunters are employed
1: for the show.
0: Yeah. I haven't, I still have no idea. Well, it's, I mean, are there different levels of hunters Are there hunters? And then are, are there people who kind of like tip off the hunters that work for the network? I don't know.
1: Well, I assume it's a huge team. I, you got to think that, like, the network is this all-encompassing thing, and The Running Man is their biggest show. It's their biggest, most important. And it's a it's a, could-be-international show, because he mentions that he could run to Europe. Mm-hmm. He briefly considers going to Europe. Um, but, like, you, you would think that it has to be the hunters are probably a huge team. I,
0: I just I was wondering about that because if you had a smaller team of hunters, that's better TV in theory because you can get to know the hunters. You can have a favorite mm-hmm. hunter.
1: Well, I would assume it's uh, they have like a small team that. Are the faces, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I was getting yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's like the people we all know about and are yeah, following. The, like the guys
1: like, in the black coats. Yeah. That he it's sees like this yeah, hunter there.
0: may have found him, but this this big shot hunter is going to tag him.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Dog the bounty hunter is going to walk in oh, and get the Dog kill the at bounty. the very end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For all the ratings. Uh, so Ben panics like he he knows he's got to get out of there, but he obviously can't head to the street. So he does the next best thing. He takes a toothbrush holder, straightens it, and jams it into like the key card slot in the elevator to give him access to the basement. He finds a drain pipe that he can escape through, starts a fire because there's all these papers down there, and pulls out all the fuses in the fuse box. So the building is just completely dark. And then he slides down that drain pipe.
0: Oh, I... I hate small spaces like that. Like I could never go um, like when you go down into the caves and you have to go into water and you're in tight mm-hmm. spaces and the description of him when he kind of gets like stuck. I I was driving and I, <laughs> I had to like pause it so I could focus on the road because hmm. I was starting to get all sweaty and hyperventilating. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was. I, I will give this book this by this point. I had had my issue with the book. But once we get to this point where he is actively running, the, I mean, it's still a King book. So, like, the suspense, I was Mm -hmm. still all the way in. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I hate this character, and this book's (laughs) message is not my favorite, but, like, what's gonna happen next? When he's, like...
2: He hits a point where he can't... He's hit, like, the, the elbow of the pipe, and he mm-hmm. just can't move anymore. <gasps> I started can,
1: freaking out. He can feel the flames and knows that the uh, the boiler in the basement will probably explode. Well, yeah. The
0: pipes are obviously getting hot around yeah. him, and he talks about being cooked like a potato.
2: And that's the moment where he thinks, were those even hunters? <laughs> <laughs> like, did I do this literally for nothing? But he, he finally, uh, through just bending and wiggling, finally slides himself through and then keeps going. And he eventually winds it out into a larger, into the underground sewer under the city. And that is when he hears the the boiler go and the building blows up.
0: Can we spend just a few minutes talking about this? Because so this was a YMCA. This is where people go when they're down on their luck. And so it's it's not, you know, it's his people. How many innocent people did he just kill? Like, were there other, I assume there were other people staying in rooms. It's not just the hunters or cops who are coming in to get mm-hmm.
2: him. I think when he pulled out the fuses and everything, that people probably started to notice something was wrong. I, I wonder if and they... evacuate. Yeah, I wonder if they evacuated. Because at that time, like, the amount of public casualties is something that they, do. they don't want. They don't want hunters going in and shooting up hallways. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, since they've taken all the time to surround the building, I wonder if they would also take the time to like go floor by floor and be like, he's in this room. We've got him. I they don't go in. You if don't they,
0: think so? No. Cause if they did that, then why did five cops die?
1: Oh, that's a good point. And,
0: and I don't think they'd care if those th- people died.
1: That's my thing is who cares? They, these are all uh, poor people staying at a YMCA. Who cares if they die? Yeah, that's
2: a good point. And Ben's the one who did it, which oh, just well. makes Ben more of a god. Yeah, he's really
0: it, em- he's really embraced this network thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: ben then records ten minutes of just his chest in the sewer, <laughs> his next wonderful tape, and finds a manhole cover and waits for a while, like waits till it's a little darker. And climbs out. And that's where we meet Stacy. Stacy who has made himself like a little hideout and sees Ben coming out of the sewer and thinks Stacy thinks that he's the <laughs> devil coming out of the sewer and that he's coming to get him.
1: Ben? Are you gonna say it or am I gonna say <laughs> Go it? Go
0: for it. it. Looks so happy to say it.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, so Stacy's this little kid, and um how can I say it? He's basically written in blackface. It's bad. It's bad, guys. My is that the just way me? The, his stereotypical speech? Yes. Yeah. It's uh. So he's this little kid, and already King's ability to write children <laughs> is touch and go at best. He always tends to try to give them a catchphrase. So yeah,
0: know? yeah. He'll make you shit in your boot and eat it. <laughs> yeah. Stacy's is inexplicably you know I love it. <laughs>
1: constantly talking about shitting in your boot. Uh but like all of Stacy's dialogue is written so it, it is written as though Stephen King has never met a black person. Like it's bad.
2: Yeah, uh, I the, alone on this. <laughs> no, I uh, honestly, I, I honestly, I don't remember a lot of that conversation.
0: Remember, I listened to the book. How was that? I listened to somebody saying all these things with that inflection Ugh. and tone.
2: And how'd you feel about that? Did I mean, did it like take it, you out of it? I guess, like, did did it do something to the experience?
0: It pulled me out a little bit mm-hmm. because, okay, I feel bad saying this, but. The um, guy who was doing the audio for this book was doing an excellent job and just had a really great way of doing the characters and the voices and the pacing. But when Ben is talking to Stacy, he adopts that same inflection. But, oh, in the audio book for, a little for Ben, bit. interesting there. And I don't, but it it seemed like the the guy reading it just didn't quite switch off the way he gotcha. was talking. Oh. Like I don't think he was intentional. Or, I don't know, maybe Ben just, you know, started talking more like Stacy when he met him to, I don't know, make him seem less. No, I think that's
1: being very generous.
2: (laughs) So, uh, he confides in this small child that he's on the run. He needs help. And Stacy says he'll go get his brother if he gives him $3. (laughs)
0: And
2: he does. He goes, and that's where we meet Bradley. Bradley is 18 and meets... Ben and says that he that's when he tells him that the cops that he killed five cops which probably means he killed 15
0: can Bradley be the main character
1: I'm very interested in Bradley's Bradley is story. So cool yeah he is way more interesting he's um
0: Bradley uh, is the reason that Ben's eyes are finally opened to more important things than, you know, his his immediate, his pride, actually. I'm just going to say that.
2: Mm-hmm. He finally learned something bigger than him. Yeah. And what he learns is that the pollution the, that we have is insane. There, how old is his little sister? His little sister. Five. Five? She's five, and she has lung cancer. We find out that the pollution is so bad that being outside for a day is the equivalent to smoking four packs of cigarettes.
0: And what's even worse than that is that we also find out that the people who can afford 6000 new dollars worth of nose filters are safe. They're protected. They yeah. have this stuff that is actually very cheap to build, but the people who do not have, who are not in that class, don't have that luxury. And so even though the government could create all of these filtration systems for everyone, they don't. It's a privilege to live and breathe.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he even finds out that uh Bradley has a a, a gang and this gang share us one suit and they share one access to the public library that they trade off and they they do their best to become educated and to to do things in their community to make their community better because no one's going to help them. Uh, which is also why he helps Ben like mm-hmm. you you need to help people because no one else is going to. Mm-hmm. And that's when he even finds out you can make like those nose filters. Mm-hmm. You can make them for very cheap. Like
0: six new dollars? Yeah,
2: six new dollars. So if the government wanted everyone to have them, everyone would have them. They're that cheap. And this really opens Ben's eyes to everything. Everything that the government is keeping from the people and just how bad and how much bigger this is than just him bigger than just the games network bigger just the than, running man
0: bigger than his daughter yeah who was his main concern and now he's hes sort of got this other thing that he cares about
2: well he and so he spends his next tape talking about pollution that's his next 10 minutes that he sends in and he watches the running man that night and they start playing it and just as he starts talking about the pollution the audio starts cutting out of his tape. And then they start overlaying him saying that he's going to kill all the pigs and completely editing what he's sending in, keeping him from sharing the truth with the people.
0: And he's somehow surprised by this. Yes. Yeah, right. And Bradley's like, did you think they were going <laughs> to let you say that? I'm surprised they let you say as much as they did. <laughs>
2: right. And At this point, we are at 54 hours. That is how long Ben has been able to evade the hunters. Uh, he he talks to Bradley and he says that he he needs to get out of Boston. Boston's too hot. People are are gonna find me here, and no matter where I go, they're gonna find me because I keep sending them tapes, and that's gonna give them right where I'm where I'm going. And Bradley's like, "Oh, that's easy," but doesn't explain anything about why. <laughs> and he's like, "Trust me, we're gonna get you out." Bradley and his gang help they so they get him a car that's going to be waiting in another city they have a plan to smuggle ben in the trunk of a car and get him to this town get him all set up and and he'll be safe and they're going to help him do this so ben climbs in the trunk bradley has the (laughs) gang suit on
0: Um, ben takes a a shotgun right a revolver a, a revolver
2: yeah and tells him if, that if the cops search, because they're searching like every fifth car, if the cops search the car, shoot the cops. Yeah. when and that go. trunk
0: pops open, yeah, pull right. the trigger
2: immediately. The first stop down the road, their car gets stopped and checked, and Bradley plays it so cool, <laughs> and like he says, he's like, um, like an assistant manager or something mm. of some company. And he's just passing through and tells him that like, oh, there's just this boring stuff in the trunk. I can open it if you want to. And the guy's like, ah, don't worry about it.
0: Well, no, the guy's like, if I wanted you to open it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He
1: was like heading to the trunk. And yeah, that's really cool.
2: They get they make it to their destination. They get to this parking garage and switch over into Ben's new car. They have a priest outfit. They've got a whole costume for him. And they got him a hotel room. They've taken care of all of this stuff. They've also given him address labels so he can make the tapes, send them to Bradley. Bradley will put them in the mail. So the hunters and everyone will think he's still in Boston somewhere.
0: Can I just interject something? Yeah. If this was a Stephen King book, I think the main character would be Bradley.
1: I could see that.
0: Mm-hmm. Since it's a Bachman book, we get this unlikable character. Because Bachman's yeah. not a nice guy.
1: That is true. Uh, I, I would have liked to read King's
0: Running Man. He can still do it. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> Jogging guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just the, it's just the B side, Running Man B.
1: Yeah, it's uh, King's uh, Desperation to yeah. The regulators.
2: Yeah. Yep. Now the time comes that Ben Ben said he would pay him money to do all this. He asks him how much he wants, and he says six hundred dollars. For everything he has done. All the work he's put in. Which is
0: crazy. (laughs) yeah.
2: Like Ben doesn't want to. He wants to give him more. And he just says no. You you need it. Like you have to stick your neck out for people sometime. And I'm doing that for you right now. And I'm just hoping you make it. Uh, I've got. If this stuff falls through. Here's the address of somebody. That I know in Portland. Who will help you out. But hopefully we can do this for as, as long as you can.
0: And the sad thing is that he hopes he can make it, but he knows he's not going to. I
2: I think, I don't know. Well,
0: because he flat out asks him if he thinks he can make it. Yeah, he just like looks at it. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but yeah, but he hopes. And yeah. And that's what counts. This is also something uh, something interesting that I wanted to point out. They talk about. The, uh, this is a glimpse of what's happening in the world. Also, they mention that there is... The pollution is what is happening here, and that's what's killing people. They also discuss there's germ warfare happening in Egypt and South America. And then they mention Nevada's have one, kill one abortion law. Did that
1: just... I, I, I full stopped. <laughs> that was one of those uh, little... World building bits. It was like in um, the Long Walk when they pass by that sign that says something about mandatory gender check. Yeah, c-
2: confirm your gender c- month. Yeah. yeah,
1: where it's just one of those like, wait, huh? What does that mean?
2: It's there's so much gloomy overworld things that are happening that I want to know more about, but I, we just we don't have the time, and it's not important. To Ben's story. Um, We. This is when we get more of the Ben backstory. This is where we find out that he. uh, Doesn't like authority. And he's mouthed off at all of his jobs. And he left his last job. Because it was making him sterile.
0: Which is a good reason to leave your job. But then when his boss asked him. Why not that it's not good to be honest. But he's not like. You know I want to have a kid someday. And this is going to interfere with that. He mouthed off about it. And then he got. Blacklisted and couldn't find work, or could only find work. You know, he'd be that guy you hire when you have a really tough job, and you get rid of him as soon as it's done.
2: Exactly. So, some very important things happen right here, where we're going to to leave off. The first is that the hunters have got Laughlin. We've heard little bits that he was in Topeka, and two kids sighted him hiding out in a shack, and they as Ben watches the footage of them surrounding and just riddling the building with bullets. So that's one running man down. Ben then goes to sleep that night and he has a nightmare that they found what Bradley's doing and they've tortured, they're torturing him and, you know, just hurting his family, doing anything they can to get him to break and that he will break and tell them everything they want to know because that's how severe they are. So Ben decides that it's not safe, even though they've done all this work, it's not safe anymore. So he goes and he buys bandages and crutches, takes a cab to his car and heads off to Portland. And that Mm -hmm. is where we leave off on this first part of the running man with
1: Ben being responsible for ruining the lives of the only characters we actually like so far. <laughs> oh, that's, yep. that's rough.
0: That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next episode for part two, where we will be covering the rest of the book. For Benjamin Graham and Joshua Kahn, I'm CM Alexander, reminding you that a man with a choice between pride and responsibility will almost always choose pride. Hey everyone, C.M. Alexander here. Thanks for listening to part one of The Running Man. Stephen King predicted a future with reality TV, and he nailed it, sort of. He also predicted a future in which racism was outlawed, but not eliminated. A few years ago, I may have been more optimistic on this one, but considering our current political climate, I guess he nailed it. If you disagree, I encourage you to check out the Southern Poverty Law Center's hate group map. In 2018, they tracked 1,020 hate groups across the U.S. I feel like we're stuck with reality TV at this point, but we don't have to be stuck with racism and hate. Obviously, there are some strong opinions and criticisms about the use of racism and prejudice in this book, and whether it was effective or needless. We hope that we've handled the subject in a respectful and tactful manner. I know we don't typically get political on Dairy Public Radio. We're here to read and talk about stories. But these stories impact all of our lives in many different ways. And I think all of us here in the studio are okay saying, enough of this shit, you guys. Let's be better. Now here's where I could have a tactless segue and say that you can help us be better by donating to our Patreon. Instead, I want to encourage you to take whatever you are thinking about giving us on Patreon today and donate to the Southern Poverty Law Center and their work to fight hate. If you have a different group you'd like to donate to, share it on our Facebook or Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or Twitter at Dairy Public. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.